Hey. 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 <coughs> hey. Welcome to Not So Macho Fans, the podcast where a bunch of movie-loving softies talk about their favorite tough guy cinema classics. My name is Danny Benton. I'm joined today by... Luke Rife. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hi, Luke. <laughs> hey, how's it going, buddy? We already said hey a bunch at the top of the show, so I don't need to really say hi to you anymore. Yeah, he's for horses. But uh, Luke, welcome to the first episode of Not So Macho Fans. Mm, that's right, Danny. <laughs> Now, um, I think before we kick anything off, uh, mm-hmm. the name, even the tagline really doesn't tell you a whole lot about what this is. Uh, so what is this show? We want it to yes. be equal parts celebration and examination of quote unquote tough guy cinema. Uh, specifically, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way here, Luke. I'm thinking like mostly 60s and 70s. I think with that, we're keeping a very specific tight time frame in order to kind of find a select um, f- form of macho uh, behavior and uh, male swagger that um, you could do with 80s or 90s, um, but a very different type. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see that today in The Dirty Dozen. But, um, ooh, should I not say the movie? Hey, people download the podcast. They see the title there. No one's just closing their eyes and press and download. Uh, we'll intro the movie in a little bit, but they know what they're getting into. Uh, but yeah. you know, I agree with you, Luke. Um, we're looking at movies that just ooze with kind of a certain machismo, uh, masculinity yeah. uh, from that era, that era, specifically the 60s and 70s. Um, mm-hmm. But specifically, I think, uh, being that we are uh, two males living in 2020, I think kind of looking at how right. uh, machismo and masculinity have kind of changed. Uh, it's a little different uh, now. I think a lot of the, the behavior in the movies we're going to be watching uh, wouldn't be acceptable today. And Right, right, right. We're not mm, flying off the cuff, though there are movies or mm, these days, but it is more – it's changed the – idea of machismo that we see today is a lot different and although we are you know um i i would say that we're both feminists and uh sensitive more um i don't want to say woke but socially conscious uh individuals uh we can still appreciate these movies despite our different uh ideological viewpoints and behaviors i would say in the 21st century Luke, um, that is very well said. And I, that's why I'm glad oh, I have you, you here. You're a lot smarter than I am. Um, so I'm just Let's I'm glad how far I drink. <laughs> well, I, that's why I'm glad to have you here. Um, oh, thanks, bud. So what are we talking? We're talking guns, uh, a lot of bronze, a lot of muscles, a lot of fights, uh, alcohol, which we'll also get into a little bit more uh, in a second. Um, alcohol that's on and off the set, uh, also very famously in the movie we're going to be talking about uh, today. 
Um, a lot of times there's um, uh, an individual going up uh, up against a system of some sort, uh, whether that's the law or the government. Uh, yeah, rage against it. Yeah, always raging against that. Um, but who are we talking about? We're thinking uh, like Charles Bronson, Lee Marvin. Mm. That's right. Yul Brenner, uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, um, I don't know who anyone else. See, uh, James Coburn. Uh, James Coburn for sure. I mean, even just pulling more from today's movie, Telly Savalas. He's oh, he's actually, so cool. Who loves you, baby? Hey, who loves you, baby? Hey. I, I um, I'm like, as you know, Luke. Uh, I have very thin hair up top with uh, yeah. hair that grows out like a clown on the sides and back. Yeah. I just want to go. I just want to be able to go full bald like Telly Savalas. Um, I think you do it. I think I could. I think I have a, a the right shaped head for it. Um, yeah, you're a good looking guy. Hey, thanks, bud. Right back at oh, you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> um, I know we do have different follicles. Yeah, you have a uh, luscious head of hair. I feel like I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm. I'm rocking '70s Bronson, maybe Lee Marvin, minus the whiteness, though. Eh, my dad's. Got some silver hair, so maybe I'll be doing a little bit of that, you know, Jim Jarmusch, white-haired, fox, older man look. But um, you I think off. you can pull off that, uh, that, that uh, Terry Savalas, uh, I don't know, I don't want to go too modern, but kind of a Bruce Willis. Oh, no, I don't want to be Bruno, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I know that uh, we're getting out of our... He was born around this time, so you know you have a baby Bruce Willis with a bald head. You could be a baby yeah. Bruce. Well, before before I go bald, I do. I want to go like full full salt and pepper. Actually, kind of like Lee Marvin, just how he went salt and pepper super early, like Lee Marvin mm-hmm. or uh, an MCA uh, from the Beastie Boys. Um, That's nice. always always appreciated his look. I've definitely got some silver coming in here. Um, really digging right. it, uh, but I just want a little bit more. Uh, uh, before I go bald, that's all I ask. No, I get that. Yeah, you, you want to be seasoned, a well seasoned uh, steak. You know who else uh, had great, uh, great silver hair? Was actually uh, mm. uh, the director of Dirty Dozen, Robert Aldrich. Because uh, I was thinking too, oh. we should also like. I know we we listed all those actors um, that make a lot of you know tough guy movies, but there's even like a lot of directors I think we should be looking at here. Like Aldrich, definitely mm, um, Samuel oh, Fuller, yeah. uh, mm. Peck and Paw. Oh yeah. Um, maybe some Michael winner. I mean, him and Charles Bronson worked a lot together, but Michael winner just seems like a gross dude. Get back on track here, but it's manliness. We think of a way of carrying oneself that these guys had um, that just doesn't exist today. Um, and again, a question of whether rightfully so. I think we can go uh, into uh, in the future on this podcast, but um, I just love that they are all such great uh, like anti-authority symbols. Um, a lot of them, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but even like they're playing within the line. Like they are safely anti-authoritarian. Absolutely, like, you absolutely. Know, like, uh, they still they, they live by like a set of like morals or principles or whatever, but uh, you know they're always bucking up against like some sort of establishment. Yeah, they're they're always rebels. Yeah, um, you know they're always they gotta be fighting something um, from like largest authority to like even the smallest order that they find the slight bit wrong. They gotta like they gotta rage. <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of fight that uh, characterizes these macho men. 
Yeah, um, and I agree. They, even like the, the slightest comment that that irks them, they gotta bring up those fists and 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 uh, forcefully convince the person, the wrongdoer, that uh, you don't fuck with me. Can I say <laughs> fuck on this podcast? To be clear, part of the reason we're doing this podcast mm-hmm. uh, is because uh, we don't really identify with these guys all that much. Um, we are definitely, uh, what a lot of these guys, uh, described, uh, other characters in movies as, uh, yella. We are a hundred percent yellow or yellow belly. Yeah, so I guess we just right. kind of want to understand. Wait, say that again. Oh, I am scared of everything. Oh yeah. Same. Isn't it weird to like, just kind of fear is just kind of your baseline. And then, oh yeah. And then it's just, I guess, how intense like, it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we just kind of want to understand these outdated uh, and kind of just unfamiliar ideas um, associated with these guys. It's sort of a curiosity to us. I don't know about you. Uh, I would feel very out of place in the 1960s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, I'm a 2020 boy. I am a millennial through and through. I need my modern luxuries. Uh, give me my smartphone. Give me uh, mm. my streaming. Uh, even though we're big proponents mm. of physical media here, we'll get oh, into that, sure, why sure, that sure. is in a little bit. Um, uh, give me my bidet. Oh, I couldn't do a day oh, without my bidet at this point. Height and clean. Um, mm. Luke, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up, bud? What's the manliest thing you've ever done? I've shot a gun. I guess I, I know hey. that's. I mean, I feel like old school, you know, like it was very much, I mean, shooting a gun is there's like this power and this old school notion of power is it's nestled in masculinity and like machismo and men. And that's a very like old school. I mean, there's many female shooters or non-binary sh- like people shoot guns these days. But yeah, I was, I, oh, wow. This is a whole topic we could delve into, but I went to a boys camp and we shot 22s and uh, uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a moment. Wild. I was definitely uh, yeah, I was shooting guns and um, and definitely thinking uh, when I was shooting them about you know movies, video games, shooting that I saw and was like, I'm gonna be the best at this. I'm gonna be like this person. Um, some of my like movie movie star heroes, whomever they might have been, like James Bond, and uh, James Bond at this time was Pierce Brosnan. So I was probably thinking Goldeneye. Oh, whoa, wait! Um, so you were like seven years old shooting a gun? No, I was more like eleven or twelve, maybe twelve. But I was still you thinking like, back die on another Goldeneye. day, uh, another day, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that- but uh, I was uh, I was thinking back on maybe Goldeneye sixty four. Um, let's see what year was that? Yeah, I was, yeah, die another day, Pierce Brosnan, but other like TV or film during that time, you know, I was watching a lot of cartoons and anime that were maybe, uh, had guns in it. I don't know. It's definitely part of the culture. And so, uh, shooting guns at a boys camp, uh, really, uh, I don't know, made me channel that or that, that idea of that in my head or like getting, getting into like a locker boxing fight and getting my ass kicked. Uh, that's another story. Um, I did not feel like uh, super maybe manly. I mean, the act might've been kind of manly in old school terms, like a low key fight club, but uh, I was not ready for that. I was all happy go lucky when I probably should have been a little bit more uh, grizzled. 
and ready to destroy someone. I thought it was going to be like light sparring, and then I just got my face like smacked in and left angry. I would give anything to see that. Oh, I was pissed. I was pissed at the end because I thought it was light sparring, and I was not ready to get my just my face smacked around. Yeah. Hey, how old were you? I was maybe 13 or no, 14, 13, 14. You know what? I, I think I had a different answer. I had a different answer prepared, Mm -hmm. but now that you said it, I forgot. I shot a gun. I shot a shotgun once. Oh, very interesting. (laughs) It was also, it was, uh, my sister invited, that was in high school. Like it was maybe like a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister invited me out to like a weekend uh, with her friends out in the middle of the woods. And it was like the first time I ever got like drunk, drunk, drunk. Um, and I'm not going to say if the drinking happened before I shot the gun or after. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it was the first weekend I got really drunk and the first and only time I shot a gun. <laughs> this reminds me of our conversations we used to have at Vulcan Video. Like, <laughs> hey, that's, like, a great, um, that's a great transition. Luke, we met working uh, shifts together at Vulcan Video every Monday and Friday night for like, for like two solid years. We worked two nights a week together, right? Yeah, I think two, maybe three. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like that time. R- yeah, right around it, three. I think was when we both started cutting back a little bit. Um, right, other jobs. Yeah. It, it's hard to work primarily or solely at a video store in the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah. It's I pretty much made most, if not all, of my friends in Austin from that store. I. Yeah. I owe Vulcan Video a lot. All right, Luke. Yeah, what's up, bud? Let's um let's go into our next segment. And Luke, mm-hmm. that yes. segment is called Luke, hand me down a whiskey. So every episode, Danny and I will be drinking a little drink uh, of whiskey uh, in commemoration of notions of manliness, of old school machismo. So for this episode, I am drinking from a bottle of Stadler Springs, and this is made in Kentucky. It is a blended whiskey, uh, 80 proof, Uh, found it at my local... uh, liquor store it had a recommended sticker i had never had it i usually go for a couple of standbys regulars so i thought i would uh, commemorate this uh premiere episode with um a first time bottle and i gotta say i've been drinking it for a bit and i'm having a lot of fun with it nice what about, I- what about you danny or uh well, what you got going on I, too, am not much uh, of a whiskey snob, more of a movie slob. I don't know a whole lot about whiskey. Um, I picked up a bottle of Red River Texas blended whiskey, blue label. Blue label. Blue label. Also, uh, 80 proof. I wanted to get something from Texas here. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The bottle bottle really spoke to me. There's a, a big picture of a duck on it. Oh, nice. Quack, quack. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I kind of want to use the podcast as an excuse to kind of get to know a little bit more about whiskey. Like right now, I don't mm-hmm. think I could tell you the difference between 
bourbon, uh, rye whiskey. Um, if there even is a difference there, I don't know. Um, right between rye and straight bourbon or bourbon and rye. Yeah, there's a there is a, a difference, but and hey, with this film journey, we're gonna have a whiskey journey, and it's gonna be very informative to ourselves and probably a source of laughter for any listeners. So my initial thoughts on sipping this Red River Texas blended whiskey blue label, um, it's a uh, smoky. <laughs> Would you recommend? Uh, based on what I'm drinking now? Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know if I've ever had like a, a whiskey where I was like, ooh, no, like get that away from me. Cause it, it's, I don't want to say it's all, like, it's not gross, but it's all kind of part of the appeal is like, it's kind of, it's hard to go down. Like, at mm-hmm. least in my experience, you know, maybe over time I'll come to uh, appreciate its uh, smoothness. But yeah, whiskey, most alcohol in general, um, you know, uh, and no, I enjoy like beer and whatnot, but yeah. uh, whiskey, yeah, I don't know. I just, I haven't really played around with it too much. It, um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm excited. Uh, so I, right now I'm going to say I do recommend it. All right. Now, Luke, um, let's, let's get into today's movie. Let's. <laughs> All right. So um, first episode uh, of Not So Macho Fans, we are covering The Dirty Dozen 1967, directed by Robert Aldrich. That's right, Danny. <laughs> Luke. All right, now, um, so Luke. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to read you a quote here, okay? Please. All right. You are remembered for the rules you break. Do you know who said that, Luke? I I do, but um, for the listener, uh, feel free to go ahead and remind them. That is a quote from five-star Army General Douglas MacArthur. Ah, yeah. old MacArthur. Yeah. Old MacArthur. Um, now, Luke, yeah, but- if this is true, then the bad boys of Major Reisman's outfit in Robert Aldrich's 1967 war film, The Dirty Dozen, should be remembered forever. Aldrich manages to both honor the service of U.S. soldiers while also giving a hearty middle finger to the bureaucratic war machine that puts soldiers on the front line while high-ranking officials sip whiskey in lush offices. Lee Marvin plays Major Reisman, who is tasked with taking 12 rough-and-tumble felons, all sentenced to death or 20-plus years hard labor, and taking them behind enemy lines on a suicide mission. Now, the absolutely stacked cast, including Marvin, uh, Charles Bronson, Telly Savalas, John Cassavetes, Jim Brown, Ernest Borgnine, Robert Ryan, and Donald Sutherland. Um, These were some of the most macho, macho men uh, of that time. So it really just seems fitting for us to cover this uh, on the first episode. Uh, Now, often imitated but never duplicated, uh, this movie set the precedent for movies with uh, an unlikely group of people coming together um, to accomplish some collective good. Um, Usually there's some redemptive casualties or, you know, self-sacrificing going on along the way. Uh, We have the Wild Bunch, Inglorious Bastards, the Expendables, uh, the Avengers, Heavyweights, uh, and Luke, your personal favorite Suicide Squad. uh, Is this some kind of Suicide Squad? That's good. That's good. No, I, I don't know who I was impersonating, but uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, it could have been any one of them. Um, no, Luke, actually, it kind of leads leads me into a, a couple questions here for you. It, now, um, so Luke, A, so this is 1A, so I, I guess three questions, really. Yeah, 1A, who's yes. your favorite member of the Suicide Squad? And 1B, 
in what ways do you feel Suicide Squad improved upon Dirty Dozen's formula? <laughs> uh, who's my favorite person of the squad? Um, that's a tough one. Um, I, I want to go with, like, I feel like arc-wise, like, John Cassavetes as Franco, like, he had a pretty good arc oh, You're talking on. about the Dirty Dozen. I'm asking about the Suicide Squad. <sighs> you know what? You got me there, buddy. Okay, my favorite squad member is the squad or member of the squad. Um, you seem like a Captain Boomerang guy to me. I was honestly going to say, because like I came around to the Boomerang, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a regular Boomerang moment. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. I feel like I liked... Okay, so I liked Harley Quinn's own movie better than I liked her necessarily like her role in this one, just because I, I got a lot of opinions about uh, her and Joker's relationship. It's a little toxic, but you know, whatever. I mean, you gotta love Will Smith and anything he is in. I love, I love, I love Will Smith. Um, but hot take. Well, hot take, right? I mean, he's the first. Hot takes galore here, Luke. Oh. Thought. Harley Quinn was better than Suicide Squad, and you like Will Smith. You know what? I think Batman is like a pretty good like comic book character, and like no, I I feel like if I'm taking a hot take, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Captain Boomerang, let's go, Captain Boomerang. I like boomerangs. I think they're pretty cool. Um, <laughs> that's a hundred percent why. And that's Luke, so own. now, um. How did Suicide Squad improve upon Dirty Dozen's formula? Um, uh, I think it's the exploding collars. I feel like that was what was missing. All right, so exploding collars is your answer. Uh, no, let me further. Yeah. Uh, well, of course you got those crazy powers, man. I mean, it's just, oh yeah, <laughs> you got the powers. Right. But like, now look, I got, so question two. Yeah, baby. If MacArthur's quote is true and you are remembered for the rules you break, what will Dirty Dozen be remembered for? Or I guess just an easier uh, question to answer. What sets this movie apart uh, from the films that it ultimately inspired? What makes the Dirty Dozen so special? Great question. I feel like just it's got a solid cast where... uh, yeah, the cast like, is a great place to start. Uh, of course. I mean, like, I mean, Franco has, like, I feel like has the, the dominant personality in some ways just because he is the most outspoken and just wants to escape the whole time. But uh, I feel like each personality, like, kind of plays off each other. Um, Who's your favorite of the dozen? Uh, that's a great question. Who, who, I mean, I you keep telling me I'm asking great questions. Well, you know what? I'm just like, that's the goddamn question. I, you know what? Walter Cronkite. I'm just, I'm just trying to support you. And, uh, no, no. I mean, uh, it gives me time to also <laughs> to think of a fucking, uh, decent answer. Um, I, I like Jim Brown's character. I like, I mean, interesting. I mean, Franco, uh, Cassavetti's character and, um, like personally, I mean, you know, I, I love a good like soft, like tough giant. So I like Clint Walker as Posey as yeah, well, Posey. right? Um, you know, but I would say like I might go Casavetti's just for like the range. Like he gets like angry, he gets you know this and that, but also Jim Brown just because this physicality, and then of course he like he's got to like fight 
Telly Savalas as like the basically the antagonist. I mean, like the antagonists are the Nazis, but like he goes crazy and is just a horrible human being. But yeah, let's go with that. I know it's not a, a, a single answer, but I mean, I feel like, yeah, it'd be cheap to just be like, uh, Lee Morvin as Reisman. <laughs> like, I mean, just like without explaining, you know, the qualities, the, the, what makes this movie good is the diversity of characters. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. Um, I I mean, I'm probably going probably Bronson uh, as Vadislaw. I don't know. There's just like I mean, it just this. I mean, like, you're if you want to look at like just what sure, like though. Bronson like performance is just like that quiet, uh, stoic man um, doesn't have a whole lot to say. And if he if you haven't earned his respect, you're either getting like uh, you know a Weisenheimer answer or um, or he's just not answering at all um, or. He's responding with brute force. Um, I think this is just kind of like, a, yeah, this this is just like everything that that Bronson uh, became. Like this just this just like encapsulates like who he is uh, so perfectly. And uh, uh, again, I, I don't know if we brought it up earlier or not, um, but uh, you know, as we said, um, I don't know if we said uh, that this started off as a Charles Bronson appreciation podcast. <laughs> It's true, and that's kind of why I didn't touch on Charles Bronson is because I, I know how you love him, so. Ah, thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> hey. um, yeah, I really love Charles Bronson. I just bought uh, these gigantic uh, Italian uh, posters uh, for Love and Bullets and uh, Death Wish 3. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to it's be Bronson. Um, no, and also, like, I want to I go back to Jim Brown, too. Um mm-hmm. I I love Robert Aldrich. Um, I uh, have you ever seen uh, All the Marbles? His last movie. I haven't. Check uh, it out. I had yeah. it in my employee picks for a while. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Peter Falk plays uh, the manager of a couple uh, female wrestlers. Uh, it's a road movie. Uh, it's a hoot. Uh, no that sounds that. like a. Fu- it sounds like a hoot for sure. Yeah, is a make an owl. Oh. Hey, hoot hoot. Um, yeah. and I'll it. be damned if I don't see it later. It's just, uh, there is like, you could just, I, I just, I love, uh, I love the way that Aldrich uses, uh, like Jim Brown's like physicality as a football player, like throughout, throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Just like just his physical presence. He's just like so much bigger than like the rest of the dozen. And just like, even just the, the end of the movie, uh, when we get to, um, when we get to the the, the mansion where the, the party is, uh, when uh, when Jim Brown has to knock through the door, uh, oh my god, yeah, yeah, it just he's like force, like a force of nature, paper. yeah, and even just like when he's dropping the grenades, he has to run between each one, and he's just he's a great. I mean, he's a football player, but like just that running is just that. Yeah, it's it's great. Well, yeah, apparently, yeah, all, like, part of the reason Aldrich hired him was because he was such a football fan, and it uh, it really shows mm-hmm, in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, now, Luke, what did you think of Lee Marvin in here? Now, I, I honestly, I, I'll say actually I'll, before that, in addition to to wanting to do you know the the Bronson podcast, the Broncast, uh, as I was going to call it, um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted there to. Be be kind of like a, a brother series to the broadcast with uh, Lee Marvin. We're just looking at Lee Marvin's career. So like, I do think like we're probably going to cover a Bronson movie and a Lee Marvin movie. Like once 
probably once a month we'll have one of those guys in in one of the movies we'll be covering yeah i mean that, that's bread and butter for these gents um uh what would you call like brawny men if you're doing bronson and maybe marv lee us men i don't know oh, I marv, like lee, that. lee and marvin marvin anyways um I'm Arvely just spitballing is. here, baby. You know, I got... I'm just getting... Um, the Marvely Cinematic Universe? Marvely Cinematic Universe? That would work, too. We can imagine all, like, Lee Marvin's uh, characters existing in some sort of, like, uh, John Malkovich. They all meet in, like, some sort of secret group. Um... That would be cool to see like all of Lee Marvin's characters like in a bar together because like, you know, he was all be more than likely drunk while playing uh, every single one of them. It's mm. uh, mm-hmm. probably made it just, uh, you know, you know, they, they say uh, actors, you know, like keep like um, keep a secret, you know, that, that, you know, no one else knows mm. about your character. Mm. It's like, a, you know, I don't know. It's like an actor's like secret or an actor's trick or something. Sure, but, like, sure, sure. So that was like Lee Marvin's like, oh, this guy, uh, you know, enjoys a, a little a nip of the bottle there, you know? Yeah, he what just a- came from uh, from the old saloon. A little Stanislavski method of acting, you know, kind of bring but in. Either way, it'd be, uh, <laughs> it'd be a, a raucous good time. It'd be a raucous good time. I liked, I, I, I had a lot of interest. I mean, he kind of plays this hard ass and he's trying to teach these characters i mean i feel like uh his major flaw is like like being like oh yeah let's let me bring this psychotic um like uh delusional the one guy that you probably shouldn't have on a mission into the mission and i'm talking about uh maggot uh archer maggot uh like that was i mean that's just come on like i feel like that's a pride moment for him where he's like oh they give me these guys well, I guess I'm going to use them all, even if it like fucks me over, which it does um, later in the movie. So I feel like that's like if we're talking about the character. Like, come on, man. Like, come on, man. But it's um, weird. So I watched um, I watched Dirty Dozen, the next mission uh, in preparation for this, where, uh, you know, Lee Marvin comes back you know, in the mid 1980s to play uh, the same character uh, mm-hmm. in the same war. Uh, so, you know, yeah. this is. 20 something years later uh mm. he's playing a character you know who pre- in the previous movie was maybe just a few months younger than him but now he's obviously 20 years older but mm-hmm. uh, uh they made two more sequels after that uh, these were all direct to tv um and uh but the last two sequels telly savalas uh comes back to the series uh playing a, obviously a different character um because mm. uh you yeah, know maggot uh dies the the death he deserves in this this movie mm. um oh yeah, that's um, no. I love um, that scene where like Maggot says um, he says something terrible about eating with with Jefferson. You know, when the dozen are all, all kind of meeting together and uh, you know getting a rundown of what's happening. Um, and Maggot, you know, asks that question as as Lee Marvin's leaving the room. And again, another moment of uh, you know using Jim Jim Brown's football prowess. Uh, Jefferson tackles him to the ground uh, when Maggot's like grinning the whole time. Um, mm. But that that scene, like when we kind of first see, you know, like real friction between them and you know we know this you know eventually well to a point will be resolved um uh but yeah that that scene is fantastic yeah especially how cool reisman is afterwards like when he's walking out he sees like the mps there and he's like Mm -hmm. "Uh, the gentleman from the south had uh questions about the dining arrangements uh him and his colleagues are discussing the place card settings right now 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like Reisman's yeah whole thing is just like we'll work it out, like <laughs> teaching them without teaching them, like very well, hands off. I also I like um, that like for the most part we just hear the fight. We don't even see like we see Jefferson right. tackling Maggot and like it kind of ends there. Um, but I was like thinking too, like in like a modern movie, uh, like a fight like that, like it would a like start with like the you know boom 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 doom 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 right pow, pow, just pow 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 i guess maybe that's maybe more mid 2000s um but either right. way there'd be a song like that would probably start with like jefferson like stabbing maggot and then like maggot like looking down and is like uh did you just stab me with a knife? And then I would say, like, I wouldn't mind seeing Maggot's face punched in into his, you know, back of his skull, though, a couple of times, uh, you know, dropping uh, racial expletive that he does. And we know that he's like an awful human being anyways from Reisman's conversations with him so i was like but i think like yeah i mean it's more effective having it off uh, screen um luke how do you feel like you would do in a situation like the dirty dozen like so let's say you were just you were drafted in the army for world war ii like you are you're in prison how how do you think you would do in prison i guess is is my question <sighs> poorly i don't know good and, and poorly i mean i would say because i'm introverted that i would be better than maybe most though i feel like if you're extroverted and are able to make friends that's probably better i mean i'm, I'm pretty like loyal i would say not to toot my own horn but like uh, I agree with that. i'm kind of a sidekick in some ways you know i'm kind of a luigi yeah, to someone else's. yeah i'm a luigi to a mario i'm a millhouse to a bart you know, I'm like, I'm like the friend and like, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I like to be supportive, um, but I'm also you're kind very of supportive. But I wasn't saying oh, you're thanks, in a bad way. Millhouse rules. No. Yeah. Millhouse rules, man. Um, so prison. I mean, I don't know how to make toilet wine, but I learn. Uh, I'd probably be, I'd be, I mean, I'd probably have be, be beat up probably until someone took pity on me and was like, all right, this guy is like soft. Uh, let's not beat him up anymore. But yeah, I mean, I'd adapt. I don't know. Hey, this is all speculation. Um, what Luke, about you, Jordan, um, boy? Well, Luke, I want to, it's my goal now to get you sent to prison. Oh, yeah. Or maybe... We'll both get sent to prison, uh, and we can see who can work their uh, their way highest up the pecking order. People love you, Danny. I think you do pretty well. Um, but I don't like in like I feel like in prison that's like somewhere you need to like command respect, like oh, you know. And I I get people to like me, but I don't I don't know like that that's like a different level. I, I don't know if I could do that. Um, yeah, I mean also, we're yeah, both probably, not so tough, so. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like we should uh, host a podcast about Ooh. maybe not being so tough. Yeah, I feel like maybe we can do that in prison. <laughs> 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 Two guys in prison making a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, one thing I thought about a lot, and I think about a lot in my day to day life. It comes up a lot, and I don't know why. Is this skydiving? I don't know if it's a fear of heights or whatever. Um, but uh, one of the you know scenes in this film is they are parachuting behind enemy lines in order to fulfill their mission. Danny, have you ever been skydiving? <laughs>
Wait, was that your question or were you going to comment on that and that your fear of it? Oh, well, I was going to let you answer first. How do you feel about <laughs> skydiving? Have you ever been and how would you fare in a scenario? I feel like I would force myself like if it was a situation where it was like you had a mission or something. To answer your question, um, I've I've looked into skydiving a few times. Um, basically, the time that I've been interested in it. Uh, so, for, you know, from like maybe uh, like 18 or 19 to now, I've been over the weight limit. For oh, it. No. <laughs> um so it's not but it, it, you know it's not something that i like i need to, need to do but i feel like um, i would like to do it at some point um and I, I think i would be able to do it like i don't really have a huge fear of heights like uh i've gone like cliff jumping and stuff and have Fine. you ever seen drop zone the wesley have- snipes uh uh skydiving movie uh i have not they pretty much saw um what is it? They saw Point Break, and it was just like, oh, let's just do that, but with you know skydivers and um, uh, Wesley Snipes, yeah. and um, it's fine. I don't know. It's I don't. It's no, fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Let's leave it that. It, I, I it's a lot like of fun. Certain trends that make a certain decade exemplified. I mean, if we were going into like the nineties and. I would. I feel like we talk about as two guys talking about tough guys. I mean, I feel like Wesley Snipes always. Wesley Snipes rules. Wesley Snipes does rule. Um, hot take. Uh, I, I'm Luke. Yeah, but so let's move on here. Let's move on here. I want to talk about the two endings of this movie. Two endings. This movie really kind of has um, a, a third and fourth act, or it has like a three a act and a 3b act you know what i mean or no mm-hmm. it has an act 3a and an act 3b okay right and the act 3a is uh seeing the dirty dozen uh take down uh robert ryan's uh crew in the, those war games and then 3b <laughs> when they actually take down the mansion because like the mm. the war games uh, against um what's the name uh breeds breeds uh a unit i mean that that's enough like that that's the end of heavyweights right there yeah yeah it's a it's it's a victory in its own sense uh they've proven themselves to be better than anyone ever thought of them well i do like it too because that's where because the movie kind of um in a good way it's kind of all over the place tonally um because as we kind of see, you know, the the boys coming together um, is when it's like at its like silliest. So like I kind of like that we're able to have like this silly triumph uh, before you know we they're ultimately sent on that suicide mission. You know, so it's we can actually see them mm-hmm. succeed and come out alive. Um, but then you know, then we know eventually what what they're going into next. Um, so uh, you know, uh, it works in that respect. So we we do see you know all these people that are gonna are going to die uh they get one last win yeah absolutely it's it's like a, a sweet victory before you know i feel like with a lot of tough guy movies uh, movies recovered like there's always casualties and uh the war games was a nice victory without that um and then we get into the real war and Luke, have you ever have you ever like uh, played paintball or any sort of like any sort of game like that? 
I've played laser tag a number of times, but I think growing up, uh, <laughs> there wasn't as much paintball for me, like as a teenager and airsoft. Another thing living in a DC because you're an elite. Oh yeah, yeah. We had our own private. I'll tell you what. There was tag. plenty of paintball in New Jersey. Really? I mean, yeah. There. I mean, um, I don't it, know. It really when blew was... up. Like, I remember I. I got a paintball gun just because I kind of thought I had to because everyone else mm-hmm. I knew was getting one and peer like, pressure. Well, like a hose. Did you have like a paint can like attached to a like they, a so like no, a- Tipman ninety eight? Tipman ninety eight was the gun to get, mm. and I ended up getting like a, a pump action. Whoa, a pump action like a shotgun, like it yeah. would like shoot in big old bursts. And that's the thing too. Like once I was actually in the scenario, like actually playing paintball, like I was, I was a, a coward. I. Like, I just didn't want to get hit by... Because it hurts. Getting hit by a paintball hurts. <coughs> yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's what's the tough stuff about it. One of my friends, uh, uh, when I was a kid, was just obsessed with the military, eventually joined uh, the Marines. We went paintballing with my sister's boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. And my buddy that was obsessed with the, the Marines, Scotty, um, uh, ran out of paintballs um uh so he was just sitting there and he didn't have anything to do so he told everybody um on our team like all right guys i'm gonna run out this way as a distraction hmm. um and then uh when i do that like you know jump out on this other side and you know they'll be drawn to me as you shoot them when, when they're trying to shoot me um and he just runs out <laughs> <laughs> he runs out of our base screaming kamikaze wow. and everyone starts to light him up and nobody from our team like jumps out oh. and does anything <laughs> so he died in vain he died in vain that sucks but also pretty funny come on man this is a birthday party at like adventure zones laser tag arena like we're playing against kids no need to get no need to like grab their guns and shoot them in the chest with their laser you know with your laser gun and light them up and then potentially make them burst into tears like take a step back man have a good time (laughs) luke no luke i got a question for you what's up buddy now there's a bunch of tough guys in this movie so i'm gonna pick out two of the toughest just because i think they'd be the most evenly matched uh mm. who do you think would win in a fight uh lee marvin or charles bronson and let's no. just say uh win in a fight like uh, uh yeah, this is both of them at their prime Ooh, at their prime Ooh, yeah within the world of this film nope just lee marvin and charles bronson just lee marvin and charles bronson straight up the actors uh i'm gonna go with <sighs> So I've seen more Charles Bronson movies. So I'm basing, I mean, I feel like that puts Lee Marvin at a disadvantage in that respect. But just because, okay, I'm not going to even, I'm going to say Lee Marvin only because I know you're such a Charles Bronson head. And I feel like we got to, we got to set up that rivalry early on. <laughs> uh, we got to have a Lee Marvin Bronson off. Uh, I, I, I feel like, so you're a Marvin man and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bronson boo. I was going to say Bronson bro, but Bronson boo works too. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's go for it. I say, um, into the mic. 
right now. Uh, I, Give I feel me a like, reason, though. Why is Marvin winning? I mean, I feel like they're two rough and tumble gents, and I know in the you know the behind the scenes of this movie, like uh, Bronson wanted to kick Lee Marvin's ass because he he like um, came to the set drunk, and that was a real bummer. Trying to act with you know someone who's you know being unprofessional. So I I feel like if Lee Marvin got I yeah, I mean I I feel like you know was an old school guy in the war. Um, I mean, I, I think he could hold his own uh, as kind of a tough guy. And I think Bronson honestly could. But I feel like I'm just going to give Lee Marvin the older experience edge in the pugilistic uh, fisticuffs uh, fight showdown. Luke, um, so Luke, you are right. Uh, Lee Marvin would be able to hold his own. Uh, hey, thank you for choosing Lee Marvin because uh, obviously I'm going to choose Charles Bronson. Of course, um, buddy. I know. Hey, thanks. Uh, but yeah, Bronson, just especially at his prime, like Bronson, Bronson just seemed like a super disciplined guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like he just ate like nothing but like just meat and like vegetables or potatoes and then. You know, maybe like a, a, a glass of beer with dinner, like right. just in the way, you know, that was like still kind of considered like a healthy lifestyle back then, <laughs> you know, um, where Lee Marvin, you know, like Lee Marvin was very tough, but like also, yeah, notoriously a, a boozer. And I, you know, I, I just I think just uh, through like discipline and uh, uh, all of that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give the uh, the edge to Bronson. Uh, honestly, that's fair. And also, so Lee Marvin seems like. Lee Marvin has more explosive anger where yeah. I think at times he can get like turned up to an 11 or 12. Um, I think Bronson, it's just like, it's, you know, um, it's just always there. He just like, he can turn it up whenever. Um, yeah. He's just good at kind of like maintaining, you know, that five. Uh, but when he needs to go up to 11, it's, he's just already there anyway. So he just immediately jumps to it. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's a really good point in terms of like discipline versus just like unbridled rage. Um, I've heard the phrase like in a fight, like once you get mad, you lose and that you just not like stop being, um, you know, precise and just start getting like wildly emotional and, yeah, I learned this from my sensei at, you know, my health club dojo when I was like nine or ten. But, you know, I think it's still applicable, applicable, wow, applicable now that I'm older and talking about Dirty Dozen. I'd give anything to see you uh, at a dojo. <laughs> and by dojo, I mean like, uh, you know, like the dance room at like a local... <sighs> A local gym, um, you know, with the <laughs> mirrors. Yeah. Oh man, I lasted a very short amount of time. I wasn't really into it, man. Uh, I mean, I am to it now, but like then, I was just like, you know, I want to play video games and like play soccer. I remember my parents like signed us up for like the introductory class. Me and uh, my my older sister, she's a year older than me, um, and uh, they split us up, you know, different age groups. And I just kept crying uh, until they Aww. let me go to the same class as my sister. <laughs> and it was the Aww. only uh, only class we went to. Oh, no, Danny. <laughs> little Danny crying in his little uh, karate 
judo gi or whatever. I was a um, uh, that was a big old crybaby. Yeah, I guess I'm still a big old crybaby. I don't know. I th- yeah, I mean, so I've talked to people and they say they haven't cried in a while, and I, I feel like crying's like a normal emotional response to good art you know that affects you or like tragic situations and there's something about being stoic but i I feel like crying is a vulnerability that i appreciate in people um but also you know i appreciate stoicism too because i probably need someone stoic around me but you know some sort of stability but yeah i feel like it's healthy and honestly therapeutic yeah it's uh you know i I feel really good after a good cry, you know? Yeah, man. We're fucking bottling up in these stressful times, barrage of noise and media. Is this Luke's rant corner? (laughs) (laughs) Modern rants? Man, these days, you know, we're just getting social media and we're getting these uh, sexualized images. And uh, sometimes you just need a corner to cry in to go fishing. Hey, that's good, Luke. Yes, Daddy, my boy. I just want to talk about whittling. I, I don't know. Whittling. People whittle these days, right? Hey, uh, Lester Freeman did on The Wire. Oh, yeah, you're watching The Wire. Oh, man. I, I finished love that The show. Wire. Dude, that show is so good. Yeah, it rules. It uh, it rules. It's still relevant, sadly. Yeah, uh, party's really hard. Freaking love it. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, Favorite character? It's- Probably Freeman. He's pretty great. He is pretty great. Lester. I mean, he gets out and he makes those model toys. He, yeah. Yeah, he lives the dream. Yeah. Wow, the uh, him and McNulty, the way it ended for both of them. All right. Um Yeah. 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 Luke, um, so we both know um, you know, a thumbs up, thumbs down system's pretty arbitrary. Um Rotten Tomatoes has ruined film criticism. So it's great. Regardless of that, um, does this movie uh get sent down to the bomb shelter to explode with a bunch of Nazis? Or does it get to sit in General Warden's quarters and sip on a nice glass of whiskey? Well, Danny, uh, I'm going to use this bottle of whiskey that I have near me. I don't know if you can hear the clinking. I heard it. All right, I'm just getting it on random things. Um, I think this is sipping on whiskey, honestly, in General Warden's quarters. I think it's just two and a half hours of uh, quality. I'm just entertainment feels like I'm cheapening it, but um, it's just uh, I didn't think recommend. about that. Yes, you're right. Like, you know, it's it's a it's a long movie. It is two and a half hours. It does not feel like two and a half hours. But it I, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give a movie two endings, uh, it makes sense that it's that long. Right, and you don't think about it as being two and a half hours. I mean, I feel like two and a half hours and three hours, like these big epics serious epics and there's like there's some serious moments in this movies but it, it, it has like an airy quality like a little bit more lighthearted. there's some laughter there's some weird hijinks so, so you think it'd be shorter but yeah it's two and a half hours yeah. well um luke i agree with you um not only should uh, this movie get to uh, sit in general warden's lush quarters with those beautiful drapes uh, and that uh beautiful mm-hmm. woodwork uh across the room there um 
Uh, not only should it sip on a whiskey, it should sip on uh, uh, the highest end whiskey, uh, a Macallan M, if you will, a Macallan 64, Luke, a Macallan 1926. You know how I know that, Luke? I just Googled the most expensive whiskeys in the world, and those came up. And those are the whiskeys that this movie should be sipping on because it is that dang good. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> brother. Yeah. All right, Luke, so, um, Luke, let's get into uh, next week's movie. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's uh, hold on a second. My my, room, uh, my roommate wants to say something. Um, do you mind? Do you mind? I, my, I didn't know you had a roommate. Oh, yeah. I share this room with this guy. Um, oh, so you guys, you guys share a room? Oh yeah, like a literal roommate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just like a housemate, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We have two twin beds. Uh, Murphy beds. He, yeah. He, well, he decided to push them together. He was like, he can't really stand. Um, Luke, sleeping I always so far imagine apart. you with a Murphy bed. A Murphy bed, really? I mean, that mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Uh, Murphy beds are pretty cool. We always see them as like a bachelor thing. Yeah. So, oh come on, I uh, I haven't introduced you yet. <laughs> oh well, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, this is uh, not so macho, Mandy Manage. Um, no relation to anyone that has similar name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is Mandy Manage here. Andy, hey. nice, to you. nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, Danny. Um, uh, I just wanted a few comments. I like the dirty dozen, uh, very macho, not my usual cup of tea. Yeah, uh, super macho, um, an absolute blast to watch. Uh, not so macho, Mandy Manage. Did Luke tell you the movie we're watching next week? Yeah, I, uh, I heard about it, and I think it's uh, it's a good one. You know, I love a good Steve McQueen. Um, no, not so much for Maddie Manage. I didn't know you love Steve McQueen. Oh What's yeah, Steve that's great. What Steve McQueen movie do I love? <laughs> What's I love- Steve McQueen movie are we watching? Oh yeah, I want. We're watching the Getaway. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, yes. Do you watch the movies with Luke since you guys are hanging in the same room? I request it. No, he doesn't. Requ- he demands it. It's uh, he won't pay rent unless he uh, we share a uh, love seat together. Uh, I get scared easily, and also I want to share this popcorn. Honestly, I don't mind. He likes the Newman Zone popcorn. I love Paul Newman too. Yeah, oh, yeah. he does. Not so much for Manage. I'm sure we'll get to some Paul Newman movies on the podcast. All right, cool hand, Luke. Uh, that's cool by me. But uh, I love bullets. San Francisco is almost like its own character <laughs> in this oh, movie. Yeah, in the car too. But I love the getaway. Scene shot Texas, San Marcos, close to Austin. Not bad. Not yeah, bad that's at right. All. Yeah, close to Austin, San Marcos. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're roommates, we're close, we're buds. Um, not so macho, Mandy Manage. Uh, yeah, we're cool, man. Uh, 
we're uh, broskies for life, I think. And yeah, that's right. Danny. Well, uh, not so macho Mandy Manage. Danny. It was what's up, not so macho Mandy Manage. We gotta watch a movie, all three of us, buddy, on a couch. Share a pop uh popcorn, throwing some Reese's pieces. I'm an Orville Redenbacher guy. Get out of here. Sorry. I'll allow it. No holds bar popcorn. Well, not so much, or maybe manage. Hopefully in the future when we can all uh you know be around each other again, hopefully we can uh we can share a popcorn, watch a movie together. Hey, brother, I'd like that. Oh, and there right. he goes. Yeah. His voice yeah. was going out there. Yeah, he's um, drinking his Yoohoo right now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, right. yeah, he's going to his corner. We have the room divided by a piece of tape. Um, yeah, yeah. So the next week we got the getaway. Uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, yeah, McGraw, Texas. <laughs> yeah, that Stick movie's ups. great. Luke. Um, so that was the first episode of Not So Macho Fans. That's right, buddy. Yeah, you know, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, 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 you know. Uh, but uh, please uh, <laughs> oh. yeah. make sure you follow us on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Not yeah. so much, you know, fans. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, mm, Luke, thank you. Yeah, th- uh, I hope you have a beautiful day, bud. Hey, yeah. Luke, I hope you have a beautiful day as well. Hey, uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, dudes.